are starting this new series on the words of Jesus, and uh, this will lead us all the way to Easter, um, where we will culminate um, with some of the final words Jesus says to us as his disciples. And so we're going to be addressing some things, some things that um, probably you would have wondered about before. The words of Jesus, sometimes we read them and go, well, uh, what? Right? Um, what, is that, what does that mean? You know, there's questions of things and so we've 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 gone through and said lord what do you what do you want us to address here and so this morning we are going to be um talking about what does it mean for us to be the salt and light and um and over the next few weeks we will talk about um how what does it mean for christ to come and fulfill the law and talk about that we're gonna we're gonna talk about lust and and what does jesus mean when that when we talk about that we're gonna talk through um the lord's prayer how Jesus modeled for us and, and how to pray. Uh, we're going to talk through um, what does it mean for, for when, when Jesus says, do not be anxious. Right? We're going to talk through all of those things. We're going to talk through uh, about um, build your house on a rock. What does he mean by that? Right? What, is, what does that mean? What house? I don't even own a house. Right? And so we're going we're gonna to talk through those things. And then we're going to jump to some parables and we're going to look at it's some pretty tough parables that, that sometimes we read and go, I have no clue what is happening here. And that's okay. We're going to unpack those things. And then ultimately, about three weeks before, four weeks before Easter, we're going to uh, look at Jesus' high priestly prayer and what it means for us and, and what it fulfills for us. It's so rich. And so I'm excited about that. And then we will end, culminate Easter on the Great Commission, what Jesus calls you and I as his followers and his disciples to do. And so this morning, and um, we will be in Matthew 5, I want to ask you this morning a question. Do you know what the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat is? Okay, good. My, my, my 11-year-old's saying no. That's okay. She's, she's, that's okay. I'd be willing to bet a lot of us don't ever think about the difference between the two. We know what they are, but we don't often think about the difference between the two. So I'm going to explain it for all of us. Um, a thermometer um, basically does what? It, it tells us what the temperature is, doesn't it? That's all it does. It, it, it kind of reads the room, if you will, and says this is the temp, right? But then a thermostat does something entirely different, doesn't it? The thermostat not only reads the room, but the thermostat changes the room, doesn't it? The thermostat knows what temp it's supposed to be in the room, and so it makes sure that it kicks on either AC or, or this morning, heat, right, um, to change the temperature and the environment in which it's in, right? You don't want a thermostat um, in another room to control this room, do you? Come on, are y'all awake this morning? Come on. Hey, we may need to turn on the ACs. Y'all may need to be too warm, okay? We don't want that, right? So your thermostat's in the room. It's telling you what temperature it is, but it's also adjusting to what temperature you've set it at. That's the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. The thermos thermometer just reads the room. The thermostat changes the room. And can I tell you this morning, as we jump into our text this morning, that's what Jesus is telling you and I as disciples that we are not called to read the room, we're called to change the room. We're not called to read our environment, we're called to change our environment. And my fear for a lot of us as believers is that we have become thermometers. We tend to walk into a room and 
and we judge what everybody else is doing. Like, oh, well, they're doing that. Well, they, they, they should change this. Or you know what? I don't like that song they sing. I don't, like, I don't like how Brady preaches. I would much rather have Clint up here. Right? Thank you, Taylor, for laughing. Huh. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, like, but don't we do that? Don't you do that in your life? Come on, don't lie to me this morning. You judge, don't you? You judge. You, you look at something and go, well, this needs to be changed or this needs to be changed. And you read the room, but you never do anything to change the room by how you live. You don't like the song? May not be your preference? Check your heart. Because what the lyrics are saying are more important than how it's being sung. Right? So our aim is just simply that this morning. Change your environment by being a light that points people to Jesus. Change your environment by being a light that points people to Jesus. Look with me in, in, in Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So let's just unpack this real quick. First point, be salty. And it's not like you think, right? Don't be that kind of salty, right? What is he saying, right? I, I did that on purpose so you would remember it. Be salty. What's he saying? He says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Well, here's some things that we know to be true about salt, especially in, in Jesus' day. We need to understand some things is that they would use salt um, to slow decay. So they would put salt, pack salt on meat. They would pack it on fish, do those things, because salt slowed the decaying process. So when Jesus says, as a believer, you are to be salt of the earth, guess what you're here to do in this world? Slow the decaying process by pointing people to Jesus. Like, I, I don't know if you know this, but our, our, our world, our, even our Western world, let's just talk about the U.S. We're in a mess right now. Like Nobody can find common ground and just come to the table. We want to argue this side. I don't care what side you're on. Everybody's got this opinion or this opinion. Just come to the table and have a conversation. Like grown, mature, emotionally mature adults. But we can't do it, right? But then we, we, we do the scope of the whole world and everything's a mess. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You, as disciples, as believers, we are put in this earth to be the salt. Slow the decay speak up change your environment none of you in here are politicians that I'm aware of okay but you have an environment in which you live which you dwell change that environment if the Lord wills you to be a politician change that environment wherever he's put you 
slow the decay. Well, they also use this, is that we use it still today. What do we use salt for? Unless your cholesterol is high or blood pressure is high, right? You do what? You put, it on, you put it on your meat. You put it on your vegetables for what? Seasoning, right? Seasoning to enhance something, don't we? They used it the same way then. How are you enhancing your environment? How many of you go to your environment, whether it's work or home or, or wherever you're at, and you spend more time complaining about your environment than working to change you so that you change your environment? Enhance the environment, right? Look, parents, you can change the environment at home by how you respond to your kids. Can you not? How many of you ever, like, your kids are doing something and, like, you lost your mind? Like, the marbles fell out, and you just were like, what are you doing? Nobody? Just me? Cool. Glad I'm alone this morning. Anyways, uh, we move on from that point. But, but, right, like, we've done that, don't we? But then, how many times on, on the same thing, they've, they've done something, and you responded graciously, and you responded kindly, and you responded with, with patience. What was the difference did your kids react the same way you did the first time? Yes. Do your kids react the same way you did the second time? Yes. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Enhance your environment. You have an opportunity to do just that. Be the salt of the earth. Well, they also used it for this. They, in, 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 in certain ways, um, and I don't understand the chemistry behind it, so don't ask me. I don't understand the science behind it, so don't ask me. Ask my wife. She's the biology person, okay? But listen, she's like, I don't even know, so it's okay. Ask her anyway. Um, so here's the deal. In some instances, they would use salt to fertilize things that would help them grow. Huh, that's interesting. You're the salt of the earth, and... Yes, as disciples, we're called to do what? Make more. Good job. As disciples, we're called to make more disciples. Be the salt of the earth. Fertilize, help grow other believers. But then what does he mean when he says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Well, there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, debate on what Jesus means here. Um, there, there in Jesus's time, there were these there was these rock formations in which had salt deposits in them, and they would pack meat in there. But over time, the salt deposits would leach themselves out, and then the rock would be no good, and they would throw the rock out. Right, um, and in they used to use um, kind of these salt blocks and they would put them on the floor as they um, processed meat and things like that so they could throw the meat and it would, right? And then over time, that salt would be useless and they would throw it out, okay? When, when people would go gather salt from, from the Dead Sea, when they would go and gather salt, uh, there's, there's, um, there's a certain, there, there's other 
minerals that would get in and gather with the salt, but it would make it look like salt, and they would gather that salt, and then they would realize very quickly that it was not salt because it would lose its flavor over time. But really, probably the, the best explanation of this comes from a, a rabbi in, in 90 AD who, who makes the statement, um, can a mule bear a foal? And it's a rhetorical question, right? We know that a mule cannot bear a foal. It's impossible, okay? They are sterile. They cannot. And so what Jesus is ultimately saying here is that, is this, can, can, a, can salt lose its flavor? Well, what we know to be true is that sodium chloride is a stable compound. It actually cannot lose its flavor. So what Jesus is saying is a rhetorical question. Someone who has come into relationship with Jesus is changed by the Spirit in such a way that their life is different. They can't just rip that out from them. They are changed forever. Because here's the thing, I I don't know if you've seen it over the last probably 10 years or so, like some of the, there's people that were were big like Christian band people who have, have, over the last um, probably 10 years, who have, said, well, I don't believe in Jesus anymore, right? I don't believe in Jesus anymore. And they've walked away from the faith. Here's the thing about that. They spent all their life saying they believe, they believe, they sang these songs, they wrote these songs, they say they believe. The moment they said they believe no longer, they lost all credibility, and no one respects them any longer. So when Jesus says here that they were thrown out, people trampled, their opinion mattered no more. And so what Jesus is saying here to you and I, as disciples, when we come into relationship with Jesus, the Spirit comes inside of us and changes who we are. We are no longer this person, but now we are alive in Christ. And we are changed, and we cannot lose that because of what He has done, not what you have done. And so Jesus says, be salty. Be salty. And then he goes on and he gives us another metaphor, right? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the ha- in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Second thing is this, is be a light right light distinctively changes its environment doesn't it if we flip all the lights off in here it's dark you flip them on what happens it illuminates things doesn't it it changes the environment doesn't it just like salt it's distinctive right and so so jesus says that this is a city on a hill right I, i was driving the other day on John Jones, I was, it was night, I was going to a house, and I looked off to the left of kind of the hill of Burleson, you know, and there's a house that's still lit up for Christmas. They're behind. It's okay, right? But it's lit up. You can't miss it. Like, you can't miss it. Why? Because it's up on a hill, and there's lights all over it. You can't miss it. And so when Jesus says, like, a city on a hill cannot be hidden why because in a dark place and lights are shining 
It's seen for miles and miles and miles, especially in Jesus' day. Many theologians believe he's talking about Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem sat on a hill, right? And, and, and it cannot be hidden. And he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. And so in their time, they would have these um, little pots and they would pour oil in it and, and it would have a, 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 a spout and the wick would come out and they would light that and that's how they, but they were tiny and they were small. So oftentimes they would put it on a small stand in the room so that it would illuminate the whole room. And so what Jesus says here is like, you don't put a lamp under, you don't put a lamp on it. You don't light a lamp and then put a basket over and go, you have light, right? No, they would light the lamp. They would put it on a stand so it gave more light. It's illuminating. It's changing its environment completely and totally. That's what it's doing. I mean, how many of you walk into a room and turn on a lamp? And they go, eh, turn it off. I mean, some of you might. So some of you may have spouses that come behind you and turn it off. I don't know. Now, we're not turning that lamp on today. Logan accuses me of living in a tomb a lot. I'm like, we just don't need that much light. But I don't go in and turn it on and turn it on and nah, turn it off, right? But look, and then I've got my son who turns on every light in the house. He gets up in the morning and is like, we need all the light. I'm like, we don't need that light. We don't need all the light, son. No one's been in that room. That's pretty funny. But, but he says, be a light. Be the light of the world. As believers, as disciples, you and I are called to change our environment, to distinctly change our environment. I, I don't know if you know this, but newsflash, as a believer, you are different than the rest of the world. So change the world. Be the salt. Be the light of the world. Because here's what happens when you do that. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What is this about? It's, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God getting the glory. It's about pointing people to Jesus. I changed my environment to point them to him. It's not about me getting accolades. It's about him getting glory. That's what you and I are called to do. We're called to change our environment. So how do we do that? I think that's the question, right? We understand that, that we are called to be salt, we are to be called to be light, but, but how do we change our environment and love people the way Jesus loved them? Like love people the way Jesus loved them. Jesus was patient, and he was kind, and he was gracious. But Jesus didn't leave people in their sin either. He called them out on it, didn't he? This is yes, this is no. And the answer is an overwhelmingly yes, he did. That's who he is. But he did it in love. And listen, when we love people the way Jesus loved them, what ends up happening is that then Jesus gets a hold of their life 
and they accept him, and then he, they are changed by the Spirit working and moving in them. When you choose, and I choose, to love people the way Jesus loved them. We're to be salt, we're to be light, we're to change our environment, church, by loving people the way Jesus loved them. My favorite Disney, you're welcome, Melinda. My favorite Disney movie, musical, whatever story that they have ever produced, right, is Beauty and the Beast. It is hands down my favorite. I could watch it. I could listen to the music. It just That's just me. My 11-year-old's over here shaking her head. Yep. Like, I just love Beauty and the Beast. I love the story of Beauty and the Beast. Because he, here's the story. Like this, this prince got it all he's got the looks he's got the money he's got it the smarts he's got it all until a sorceress a witch whatever you want to call her comes by and she puts a curse on him and turns him into a hideous beast and then gives this flower and 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 he's got a he's got a fine love before the last petal drops and 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 by the course of all of these events here comes bell and bell comes into his life because he's captured her father and bell you know, it's a beautiful story, right? She substitutes herself for her father. But there's this course of time where you've got all of these little characters that are dishes and lamps, and like they're rooting for Belle. They're rooting for the beast, right? It's this beautiful story, and and over time, as as the beast spends time with Belle, and Belle spends time with the beast. Ultimately, here it is, is that the beast isn't loved because he has changed. The beast is changed when he is loved. Joy doesn't come when he's loved for his beauty. Joy overwhelms him when he is loved in his hideousness. You and I are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world as followers of Jesus. We love people like Jesus loved them. And we change our environment. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. And I pray that you would just move in us, Father. That you would change our hearts, God that through the work of the Holy Spirit, you would move and change and shape and transform who we are. And that every day we look more like you and we become greater vessels for you to use, to be salt of the earth and light of the world, God, and change our environment and point people to you. Father, thank you for loving us and our hideousness. Father, may we go do the same to others. It's the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.